Uh, all right, well, Lord, but she's, um, we... She's alive and happy. Yes, alive and happy. Speaking of alive and happy, he is risen. And everyone yes, said, risen. he is risen indeed. Indeed. Oh, and thank God, Lord, because you have, we do offer these prayers yes. to you, sitting at the right hand of God right now. Yes. Fully human, fully God. Still with those scars on your hand. Still with that scar on your side, Lord. Showing that you are the one who has taken upon our iniquities. The one who is a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. The one who truly can empathize with us beyond even that word. I think there should be a new word for you, Lord, about you have taken it all. You know it all. You know what we've gone through. Way beyond anything we can imagine. And so, Lord, because of that, we offer up to our great high priest these prayers. We pray, Lord, for Everett. Yes. We pray for healing. We pray for wisdom to the doctors to know what is going on. Um, we pray that in this operation right now, Lord, as they have them opened up, that the doctors will find everything, sew up everything. And we do pray, Lord, that you will intervene in this. Yes. We pray that you will take whatever that body is that you have knitted together, that you say in Psalms, and that you will knit it together again, making it new, making it right, making it work. Just give comfort to Bridget, who even as he's in surgery, she's blessing our church, keeping Instagram up to date. And uh, Lord, we lift up Taffy, truly one who can relate, I think, to Isaiah 53, of how much you have gone through for us. And Lord, she is just such a, she's an angel yes. to me. That's how I've always looked at her, my angel here on earth. Um, just oh, interceding, man. sharing, loving people beyond my imagination. And I just, um, we pray, Lord, that you will just um, stop the seepage, heal whatever is going on with this plate, Lord. Even before the doctors have a chance to operate, I would just say right now, Lord, before they even have a chance to operate, you will stop this. Yes, Father. And heal her, Lord. Um, just continue to bless John. Bless Taffy. Yes. And we just um, thank you that you bless all of us, Lord. Guide us tonight through the power of your spirit, the revelation of your word, we today have the person of you among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so, believe it or not, we have two weeks left of Isaiah. I don't believe it. We're, so, which means we're going to, we're going to have today, tonight, and we're going to have next week. And... Um, obviously, that means we're not going to go through 55 through 66 um, really in detail. And part of the reason, well, part of the thing is to know about 55 through 66 after this Isaiah Servant Song, what you really have is Israel continuing to struggle after the Servant Song, not being able to be the servant they were supposed to be. All right. Um, so, if, so don't forget, um, if you can this week, read 55 through 66, okay? 
Um, and next week, um, we're next week we're going to just close off Isaiah. I want to do an overview um, next week around an area we ha- we've touched on but haven't touched on a lot. Is my hope to next week, God willing. I don't, you know, something else doesn't come up for next week with that. But uh, to sort of close off Isaiah, and then we're going to start uh, a new study. I think we'll start that the first the first week of May. Um, and I'll tell you, you know, when I try to think of, it's funny because if we start getting close to a place when I start thinking of what are we going to do next, I honestly start freaking out because I just go, I have no idea, God, what should we do next? And I just start the sort of process of thinking, listening, praying, watching God just sort of work in just different ways to sort of see where that was, where that comes. And so through, hey, okay. yeah. How are you? <laughs> Good. Good to see you. Well, so so as um yeah, and you can come up closer yeah. if you want to. I mean, <laughs> yeah. um, so as we've been trying, as I've been going through and just wrestling with that, and even with some things in Isaiah of the things that we've done, um, that along with just trying to get confirmation of where where I think for us to go next. And the confirmation, final sort of confirmation came when Chad called me because he's now coming up full-time staff and he's trying to figure out what they're going to do next. Uh, and he, when he told me what he's thinking of, the area, I'm like, Uh-oh. you know what I'm thinking of <laughs> for the men? Anyway, God in this one conversation, I seriously, it's just like God just went, because what was neat about the confirmation was that we've decided we're going to do the same thing for the men's group and youth. That's a great idea. Okay. And we don't know how that's going to work. We don't, we're not going to try to follow it. They're not going to try to do what we do. Okay. We were a little different in what we do. They just complement each other. Yeah. yeah, With, with youth, they obviously much have to be much more application oriented, but he still gets them into the word and they have a, you know, they have a smaller bit of time because they have a lot of fun (laughs) too. Right. Um, and so anyway, so we are going to go through the gospel of John. All right. And the reason John, why that I've was never been through two that ago. here at the church. Um, the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. Good call. I came to that, well, I just guess I told you how I did. But I, there was a number of things that happened even in Isaiah that pointed me some, to some really cool things about the Gospel of John. Seeing how in John also we just have this revelation of Christ, I think, fully who he is. Fully in the sense of fully human, fully God. And you see that revealed in John. I also think it might be good for us in going through John. One of my hopes is we will again sort of meet, uh, as I would say, the real Jesus. Who is this real Jesus? Um, You know, people always say, okay, well, you know, some people think he's a teacher. Some people think he's, you know, lunatic. Some people think he's God, right? Well, John reveals who he is. Um, and I think it can be really good for us from a, e, e, I can't say that word, evangelistic <laughs> sense too of just thinking how do we spread the gospel and they get soaked in 
seeing and meeting and understanding who Jesus is, fully human, fully God, and also to be able to communicate that to others. Because we were definitely at a time where we need to be doing that. Um, the gospel of God to all the nations. Um, so, that's what I know. We, my hope is to start that. So, not next week, but the week after that, which I think is something May. Um, Good call. Yeah, and then I will be getting and ordering, you know, the, the journal yeah. for all you guys again, Thank for you. John. Um, and we'll just go for it. Yeah, the most important thing is we're in the Word. (laughs) Um, All right. So what I want to do tonight is I want to um, look at it. We've been looking at Isaiah 53 through all these almost like different lenses. I almost think like, um, that's a good illustration, but you know, you go to the eye doctor. My wife just went to the eye doctor and had to go again because they didn't get the prescription right. You know, they do all these things where they put all these things Mm -hmm. in front of your eyes, you know. Um, it's sort of like we're, we've had these different lenses as we've looked at Isaiah 53. We've looked at it from a servant perspective. We looked at it from a sacrifice perspective. Last week we were looking at some some of this atonement, the atonement, the different areas of atonement. Um, and what I'd like to do tonight is look at it, look at Isaiah 53 in maybe a little bit different way, and we'll see how this goes. I've never done this before. Uh, in this sense, so I don't know if you've ever heard, but um, like, for example, people have taken the uh, Lord's Prayer and they've said, wow, in the Lord's Prayer, you can make an entire discipleship program to disciple people. All right. And people have done that. Where you actually, if you look at the Lord's Prayer, it, it's a, it, you can create a whole discipleship program. Right? It's about worshiping God first then about our own needs. It's about sin. It's about forgiving others. I mean, you just see in the Lord's Prayer, you get all these faucets of how do we, how are we discipled? How do we disciple others? Uh, people have done that with the Sermon on the Mount, which is sort of an obvious one. What I want to do tonight is I actually want to look at this and pretend like this is what we have as a discipleship program for someone. Not... Not just as we've been doing it, like this describes what Jesus is, obviously, and what he did on the cross. But what does that mean for how we are to live, how we are to disciple others? Okay. Um, I don't know how that will go. <laughs> it's just not, let's try it. I'll, and you'll see as we go along, there's some aspects of there. So if you remember when I had that hourglass illustration, again, you know, God created this people through Abraham. These people were supposed to be God's servants. All those people multiplied, the whole nation of Israel. And they didn't weren't God's servant like they were supposed to, which we come to Isaiah 53, saying it's going to come down to one servant, which is Christ. And as we said with that hourglass illustration, with Christ coming on the cross, what he's now done is said, okay, all the people who follow me are servants of the servant. Which means... How are we to live like him? Now, there's some things we obviously don't do. All right? I mean, there's some things in here like he died once for all for our sins. We're, we don't go and die for other people's sins. All right? But as we learned, started talking about last week, we do lay down our life for others. We do pick up the cross. Okay? So there's a lot of that around that. So that's so what I want to do tonight is sort of walk through Isaiah 53 and just sort of see 
if you're going to be just think of it, either you being discipled or you discipling someone else, what is Isaiah 53 revealing to us about who Jesus is, what he's done for us, and what does that mean as to how we are to disciple others as to how they are to live their lives and what they're supposed to do for others? Does that make sense? Okay. For those of you who are here, do you remember this? <clears throat> Anybody remember that when we when we did that? Yeah. Anybody remember what we were? Oh, by the way, you guys have to make sure I do not use these three on this board. <laughs> You'd be in trouble. These three go here. Okay. <laughs> so just make sure. Um, oh, yeah. <clears throat> okay. So what what do we anybody remember what was the purpose of why I did this? It was what do we call ourselves? Yes. Very good. Very good. So this is when we first introduced the idea of a servant in Isaiah. And the way I introduced it was I said, okay, write down write down all the different ways. How do you remember what I said? Like what did you just say? Um what we call ourselves. Right? Yeah, sort of like what we call ourselves in Christ. After being saved by Christ. Yeah, as a, as a Christian. What are the different terms we use, right. I guess, as a Christian? Okay. Yes. That was um, the point of all that was a little bit to realize that one, one thing we don't say a lot of is that we're a slave of Christ, or we're a servant of Christ. Um, and so that's, we finally got that down here as we were going through here, okay? So here's all these different description that we use. Ultimately, what we try to get to is this is when we introduce the idea that in Isaiah, that God's calling a servant. God's calling his people to be servants of him. That's not working. <laughs> he calls us to be Christ's servant, and then we are servants of that servant, okay? Alright, so what I want to do is I'll, I'll get started as we go through here. I want, I, as I read through here, I want you to think about how what how Jesus how this reveals who Jesus is. But how does this help us to figure out who we are as disciples, as servants of Christ? And you can even think about like if you're going to do a discipleship program for someone or disciple someone and use Isaiah 53. Sort of interesting concept. Use Isaiah 53 as a disciple, you know, to disciple someone. Well, how would that work? Okay. So, let's start. First verse. Alright. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. So, what do we know about that verse? What have we, what have we learned in Isaiah about this? What is this? What are we looking at here? What is the saying? Introduction. It's an introduction. Okay? Good. It's God speaking. Hmm? It's God speaking. God, it's God speaking. Good. Alright. So I was telling you, this is almost like Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then it tells us how God created the heavens and the earth. It's like, this is who Christ is. He is my servant, God's servant, and he shall act wisely... And he shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. That's the final thing. That's the end game. Okay? That is where Christ is today. When we said he is risen, 
There it is. There's the fulfillment right there. Okay? So what does that tell us about our lives? You going to say something, Aaron? I think it's the beginning of Proverbs. It talks about in the void, Christ dwelt. Uh Wisdom dwelt with him. The what? Wisdom. Wisdom dwelt. Okay. There also. Yeah. So wisdom was the keystone of what Christ brought that nothing else brought. Okay. Was that wisdom? So what does that tell us about for us that wisdom? So what? That scooping for (laughs) place we find ourselves always humans, but. Um, what does that tell Bringing us? Bringing the truth. Okay. I think for us, if we believe, we're going to prosper in Jesus, in Christ. You know, I mean, to act wisely, I mean, another word for that maybe would be to prosper. Or to not be stupid. We're going to, you know, <laughs> the word is, and how do we know how not to be stupid? <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough one. And I'm really curious, though. How do we know not to be stupid? The only way we know is through virtue. Well, okay. But how do we know what virtue is? I mean, what... How do Christ we... in charge. Okay. Discern. Discern. Okay, so if we're going to discern, how do we discern? We look at the world. We look at the, what choices we have. We look at decisions we make. We want to act wisely. If you remember, this word wise is the same word that's used back in Genesis as to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Mm-hmm. And when they did not, when they took from that tree that they were not supposed to take from, Adam and Eve did that, they were, they did not <laughs> act wisely because what were they choosing at that time? Evil. They were choosing what? Evil. Evil, okay, over over a relationship with God. Okay. Yeah. Anyone else? Just trying to get just different thoughts. They wanted to be like God. They wanted to be like God. Right. Okay, they did. All right. Yeah, that's all good. Go ahead, Tom. I'm not looking for a right answer here. I'm just sort of looking for... also the servant. This is is what will happen for us as well. Uh Uh-huh. We will be exalted. And yes. I am lifted up um, with him. Um, that's kind of what it's saying to me. That okay. The, the end game is not the fact that God's out there. He's, this is just a proclamation of himself or a promise, but it's also a promise to us to act in wisely and right. serve as he served. Um, so how do we act... Not let's do it the opposite way. How do we act not wisely? Because when we do, we're not going to be high and lifted up. Okay, who's by thinking we're wise? By thinking, yeah, it goes back to what you just said. By thinking we're wise in our own. Well, the opposite would be fools, right? Uh huh. Yeah. Wisdom through obedience. Okay, wisdom through obedience and obedience to what? To the teachings through humility. Okay. Yeah, by being humble. Yeah, good. Good. Okay, yeah, you guys, very very good. Just all these things you're saying right on, okay? So if you think about we're supposed to be, I mean, remember back in Isaiah 1, what was the big judgment that began in Isaiah 1 and 2? Men 
humans were doing what? No. What were they? How how were they not? What were they not? What were they doing? An opposite? Living choosing in idols. Sin, That's right. Living in sin. They were living in sin, choosing idols, which means they were worshiping something other than God. Something other than God. And what were they doing in regard to? How were they being high and lifted up? They weren't. They rebelled against. <laughs> they weren't. They rebelled. <laughs> but you remember, in Isaiah it says about how they were trying to. They were haughty. They were lifting themselves selves up. Pride. Exactly. Pride. Okay. So you look at sort of like the whole Christian life can be sort of in a way can be summed up in here. All right. When you have pride, you don't need God. When you have pride, you don't need God. And when you have pride, you don't need God. And the result's going to be sin, death. Yeah. Failure. Yeah. What? Failure. Yeah. The, the result is you're not going to be high lifted up. In fact, in Isaiah, what does it says? God will take what's high and bring it low. Just flip it. Exactly. He will flip it upside down. It's not where you look good doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So this, I mean, this right here is sort of like the core human problem. That we try to lift ourselves up. All right. And we do that by, you guys all said it here. It's great. How do you, how do we try to be high and lifted up? We know it all. We don't need God. We get the wisdom from ourselves. We get the wisdom from the world. I mean, you look at today. I mean, that's that's the big one of the big temptations, right? I mean, I can just go like this. Whoop. Yep. Okay. So all instant media. knowledge, instant wisdom. Follow your heart. <laughs> yeah. yeah all, exactly. Tom, were you guys? No. Yeah. Love is love. <laughs> yeah. So, what would we say? Just even just verse thirteen. What would we say if we were going to say? If, you know what it means to be a Christian. Like if you're telling someone else, you're learning it. What's what's the thing we learn from just that verse? What try to call, call that down? What would we say in being a Christian? What what's what key? This is like the key thing of understanding. Okay. So fear of the Lord uh, through rather than fear respect. Well, you can say fear. Yeah. That's fine. It's the right way of fear. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Act justly. Act, act justly. Okay. So that's what is required of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. Exactly what. Yeah. Love. Virtue, which is virtue, right? I mean, yeah. Being yeah. a humble servant or slave. Right. So humility. High moral compass. Okay. So moral compass. Those are all consequences of the fear and respect. Yeah. How do we then show that we fear and respect the Lord? How do we do that? Obedience. Obedience. Okay. What did you say? Our conduct. The way we conduct. Obedience. How do we know we're being obedient (laughs) to God? And not to ourselves, or to the world, or to an idol. How do we know that? How do we test that? You be one, at one with God. Okay. You know, my, you're my disciples if you serve one another and love one another. Say that again. You know, you're my disciples if you serve and love one another. 
Okay, serve them up one another. You know them by their fruit. How do you know if you're if you're going to make a decision about something? How do you know that that's going to be a wise decision? What how do you God know that? Do? Hmm? What would God do in that circumstance? How would you find out what God's going to do? You get reflection. A lot of people would say, I, I'm going to find out what God's going to do. I'm going to go to tarot cards. I'm going to go to... You seek wise counsel. counsel. Yes. Seek wise counsel. Like you'll, oh, a man of brothers. counselors is a wise man. All right. Pray and search the word. Yeah. Pray and search the word. Okay. I finally hear the word in that. Yeah, the word. <laughs> I've been trying to listen to see if you guys, if someone's going to say, how do we know that? You guys have it. Why do we do this? All right? Okay, so I like that. Pray. Relationship, basically. And if you say relationship again, I'm going to say, how do you know you're having a relationship with God? What do you, how do you do that? Through prayer. Through prayer and? The word. Reading the word. The reading the word. Okay. I think it's yes. also prayer. You ask him whatever your will is. Let it be known to me so right. I can follow your path. And the funny thing is we can pray and ask for what God's will is and we never can open the Bible and go, oh, there's God's will. It's both. <laughs> Love one another. It's both. Exactly. It's God talking to you and you talking to exactly. God. Exactly. Yeah. It's a two-way relationship. Integrity requires consistency in both your public and private, private lives. lives. Test you. yourself by asking, will my private life withstand public scrutiny? Yeah, which we talked about last week a little bit. So that's yeah. integrity. Yeah. So you can see how just even just in this one verse, this is who Christ was. You can just test your life against verse 13. And one of the biggest we find out throughout Isaiah, throughout the Bible, starts right in, right in the garden. All of a sudden, we try to be the ones who are wise. And we, think about what happened in the garden. Adam and Eve go, I don't need God, who's right there, by the way. Okay, they could have gone asked. I don't need God. Let's listen to the wisdom of a serpent. Yeah. And if you remember, Eve, sister, has this conversation. She's playing with the word. It sounds really good, but it wasn't the word that God delivered to Adam, who, by the way, was standing right next to her, not doing anything. Okay. So, I mean, it just all starts there. And part of what starts with that is pride. The biggest, yep. the biggest downfall. Practically speaking. Good old pride. Every time I find myself telling him to move over on the throne, that's when i got to catch myself. Yeah. Which which is, we have to catch ourselves all the time. Constantly. Yeah, yeah we talked about that. Yeah. It's having, like, having solitude with, having solitude with mm-hmm. Christ, mm-hmm. with God, and your own soul. Being alone with God and your own soul. Which also says, where are you spending your time? Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Okay, good. All right. Um, let's look at 14. And some of these might not have any application. They might. Okay, so, as many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. What does that tell us about being a disciple? Probably does, maybe. Both parts. What? Sacrifice. Okay, sacrifice. How do you see sacrifice in that? Crushing. You're, you're all in. It's even beyond. It's so far. That, in particular, is just completely sold out. 
Alright. Nothing held back. Nothing held back, okay. What's... Well, how does this contrast with the world today? Yeah. <laughs> totally opposite. <laughs> because what are we concerned about? My, my rights. My rights, my... How I look. How I look. Got <laughs> big gun. Yeah. Well, I can't do a thing with my broken flesh. Right. You know, seriously. I mean, you see right here, I mean, with the way Christ is, the physical appearance is not... is not the key thing. He's all handsome. He's looking good. He's going to be our savior. <laughs> you know? Which is, what do we do? So much of the celebrity culture is all about... Man, yeah, vanity, right. Not vanity. What's that called when you are concerned about how you look? Is there a word for that? You're not? Unassuming? Unassuming? Okay, maybe, yeah, let's... You're not focused on looks, I guess, right? I don't know what the word is, a word. Um, okay. How about 15? So shall he sprinkle many nations, kings shall shut their mouths because of them, for that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard, they understand. <laughs> you look at that, I'm going to go, where, what, what does that have to do with being a disciple? What do you guys think in that? Well, it undermines the power and authority of earthly kings. What they're all about is not what it's about. Okay. What did we... Do you guys remember what the sprinkle meant there? What, did, what was that telling us? Sacrifice. It goes back to Leviticus. It goes back to, yeah, sacrifice Leviticus. What's the sacrifice? So how did this relate to what Jesus is doing? Sowing seeds. His own blood is being sprinkled on the seed of God. He's okay. ultimate sacrifice. And so he's becoming the sacrifice for? For all nations. Okay. All, everyone. All right. So now think of us as a disciple. What does that mean we're called to do? Sacrifice. Sacrifice, but yeah, keep going. What else is that? What are we called to do as Christians? <laughs> Think nations. What are we called to do? Exactly. What are we called to do? Think about it. We're called to take... Spread the word. Why? Because when we do that, we are actually doing this. Sprinkling. When we go out and we are are evangelizing and we're going out spreading the gospel to the world, what are we doing? We're bringing God's salvation... His sacrifice. Yes, to the world. I mean, we're actually participating. He's done this for us. Now, we're the ones called Matthew Matthew 28, right? We're called to go and make disciples of all nations. Oh, Acts, go out from Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. We're the ones that are supposed to be going out and really actually doing this, bringing God's salvation to the world. Does that make sense? 
It does. So how do yeah. you do that? By telling right. the story? Well, yeah, how do you do that? Spread Show them a Bible? And, you know, I mean, there's so many different ways. There is. But ultimately, what is the gospel? So <laughs> God first. It be really God simple. Love each other. Well, I'm going to just get down. What's, what is the good news? You, you just, I want you to see if you can call it down. If you had to go ahead and love. tell someone one sentence, no, it's not love. No. <laughs> I would just say it's not love. That's maybe the result of how you act. But what is the actual good news? God died for our sins. God yeah. died for our sins. So that we can have an everlasting relationship with them, both they, now exactly. and in heaven. Exactly. I mean, that's... That's the news. It's what the gospel... So here's the best way to think of it. The gospel is what God has done for us. His work. Is his work. Okay? And so it's what he has done. I heard it said that he came back to reestablish relationship. Absolutely. That was the purpose. That's right. That was the... That was reestablish relationship with lost people. Second Corinthians five, right. reconcile, reconciliation, right? Mm-hmm. And the God, the good news is to do that. He has done something. Right. We just celebrate that at Easter, right? Awesome, <laughs> rose again. Yeah. I mean, that is the simple. The gospel, it's that simple. Yeah. <laughs> and yet. I know for me, I get convicted like, how do I, <laughs> how many people have I told I just had someone call me um, today who's actually the first person I ever led to Christ back in my early 30s and just seeing how on fire they are and just what they're doing and stuff. It's just like, it's just like, oh. Yes. And maybe also, and so both was like, wow, that's cool. But it also made me realize, wow, how much am I still doing that? How much am I really willing to say Christ died for your sins to people in this world? <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of rejection that comes along with that. Yeah, they're, they're exactly. They, I mean, we're talking family members. Exactly. No, I don't want to talk. <laughs> don't about preach them. to me. Don't preach me. I don't do that. <laughs> right. Seriously. Right. Which means you have to love them. Yeah. Which means you have to, you know, sacrifice for them. Yeah. Right. It is. Yeah. It's a war. If you guys turn to um. Turn to Romans. I'll show you something here. Um, because you look at this verse, and you go, well, how does that really apply? Romans what? Yeah, so, yeah exactly. <laughs> Romans 15. So go to the end of Romans 15. Okay, you guys are Romans 15? Romans 15, 15. I'm going to uh, pick up a 17. Romans 15, 17. You're going to see Paul quote this verse. Basically answering for us, how does this apply to us as disciples today? Okay, so listen to on, on 17. In Christ Jesus then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything 
just, I mean, listen to Paul's language. He just imagine you sit down and have a conversation with him. He said, hey, Paul, what are you watching TV today? He's like, I'm talking about Christ. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this was so passionate. I just, it's, it's convicting. For I will venture, I will not, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. To bring the Gentiles to obedience. Mm-hmm. You guys just talked about it, obedience, verse 13. By How do we bring to by obedience? Word. By word and deed, by the power and signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. So that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Elorikim, and we can ultimately say for Paul, he goes out, he's spreading the gospel, ultimately goes to the end, to the end of the earth. I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named. In other words, Paul's not coming here tonight. (laughs) Lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, right here, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard of him will understand. There's Paul right there saying, why am I preaching the gospel? I'm preaching the gospel because Isaiah 53, my servant, Christ died for our sins. I'm now called to be that servant of that servant. Does it make sense? You see how Paul here directly ties what we say is about Jesus back to him. Yeah? Okay. So give you a little example of how Paul's doing that. All right. Um, who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Any thoughts there? Just could be sort of along the lines of 15 still. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone's going to believe, they have to what does Romans tell for someone to believe in Christ is not, let me be blunt, I I have a little pet peeve with the saying. What's that pet peeve, my, the saying about um, don't spread the gospel not by words but by your actions or whatever that is? I, I personally think, uh, be, be careful about what I say. I'm going, that is not the Bible. That is not. No. That, Sometimes you, words. you have to use actions. Yes. But you can't, I can sit there and love Chris until he's blue in the face, sacrifice my life for him. And if I never mention Christ to him and say, Christ died for your sins. <laughs> yeah, what have you done? Yeah. So it always has to be both. But we can't shy away from the fact that it's, what, is, what does Romans tell us? Romans 10. What does this tell us? We have to, for people to believe they have to what? You gotta speak. They gotta speak. You gotta speak. Because you gotta speak so they hear. So they can hear. Well, what's the scripture? So they they don't have a messenger. That's Romans, yeah. Yeah. That's Romans 10. Okay. To your point, there's so many good people in this world that don't know Christ. Right. Right. And they're not going to know them through osmosis. They're not going to know them by telepathy. They're not going to know it by. They're not going to know it. I'll be blunt, just by our good works. We absolutely have to do good works. Absolutely. We're called to do that. But if we only do good works and we don't preach the gospel, people 
don't know who Christ is. How do they know who this Christ is that you're doing good works for? <laughs> you know, I better watch out when I start preaching. <laughs> so, anyway, but again, who has believed what he has heard from us? So, I'm going to say, like, with number one here, again, it's about spreading the gospel. Um, for he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. Yeah, what does that tell us about who we are? Anything? He was just a normal guy. He was, yeah. Yeah, very good. In appearance. It wasn't like uh, Cary Grant or anything. Yeah. What, what attracted people to Jesus? His word. It, yeah, you never, and what else, what, what else attracted him? Well, his miracles. His miracles, exactly. <laughs> that was a pretty what, good one. What he was doing yeah. and what he was saying, right. you know, saying that I've come to not, action too. yeah, I mean, through all of it. But what you don't hear is like people going, wow, look at that good looking guy. Yeah, no, never. <laughs> you know? That, that's not, that's not what did it. He would blend. Yeah. I think another thing that really attracted uh-huh. people was, uh, and also probably what propelled others was just like how controversial it was, like for him to be with those who were just outcasts, like the blind, right? Like the, the beggars, yeah. like awesome. They like nobody paid attention to them, but then they were the ones that would seek him out. So it's just like he created that following of the, I guess, the rejects, if you will, um, which I think made him pretty popular and also again controversial, but. There's a kind of a part of the head that says, like, they were astonished. They sh- shut the, key, the, uh, the mouth of kings. Kind of, kind of all saying, like, it's um, unexpected and just like that will be we thought. Like a yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that, Ruben, because it's really, really good point. And I think I didn't even think about that. That's great. Around this, because who we should be spending time with. You know, are we spending time with those people where other people go, not that you do it just for the sake, but I mean, you spend time with people that other people are going to go, what are you doing? Why are you hanging out with those people? Yeah. All right. right. <laughs> that they, they're not Christians. They're pagans. They're, you know, they're this, they're that. It's like, why are you hanging out with them? Okay, well, hopefully not to be doing their sins. No. But hopefully so you can. To help them. Help them. Preach the, the gospel. Preach the I mean, Jason goes down. He's not here tonight, but he goes down and um, helps with uh, the homeless and picking up things and doing stuff. Um, you know, he's among he's among them. All right, has an opportunity to witness to them. You know, which is awesome. Um, so, how are we able? How are we doing that? It you know, works. it works. The event it works. Yeah. So very good, Ruben. I mean, I like that because it's about who we hang out with <laughs> too. Um, and who Jesus hung out with, exactly. Made people go, why are you hanging out with those right. people? Yeah, because the normal king wouldn't, you know? Like, right. Like, oh. Be yeah, very dead good point. In the alleys with, you know, the blind or the help, right? Mm-hmm. The, 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 like said, like the rejects, the outcasts. King wouldn't be caught dead in there. He's only worried about sitting on his throne and yeah. people giving him three things and... <laughs> Yeah, really much. Yeah, yeah. You know, great. I think of the, you know, eating the grapes on the like, like eating the grapes. Yeah. Yeah. I still don't like it. Okay. How about this? 
He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with, acquainted with grief, and is one from whom men hide their faces. And it repeats itself. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. I noticed that when I was doing this, just about how this gets repeated. Um, so what's that telling us about... He was a Trump supporter. <laughs> Not. <laughs> no, but what does it? What does it say? What? What is it? What is, pushed um, against. He pushed against the norm. Okay. All right. Pushed against the norm. Yeah. He was upsetting the status quo. And how was he upsetting the status quo? We had the authorities of that culture really kind of in a jostle, uh, uh, you know. So he had he had his own culture that those authorities, and then he had the the governmental culture those authorities. Mm-hmm. And everybody was kind of like keeping an eye on this guy, and when he would come through, and his his band of guys would come through. Um, it's like the community was up in arms too. I mean, for good okay. and for other, and probably the, the secular authorities, the Romans, they they didn't know what was is what's is there going to be like these riots among the Jews or or trying to keep these yeah. people in control. What do you know about Jesus' life? What do you know about this rejected by men? Not don't think the cross for a second, but even just early on in Jesus' ministry, what do we learn? Well, about the, him. The religious leaders yeah. did not like him at all. Right. Because right. they were, the attention was no longer drawn to, you know, uh, pay, they weren't paying attention to them anymore. They were paying pay attention to this guy hmm. that was teaching things that were like, wait a minute, you're hanging out with the outcasts, you're hanging out with sinners. Exactly. He was hated yeah. in his own town. Yeah. Very good, Charlie. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. Hated in his uh, own town. Right. I mean, how many of us really want to be hated in our own town? Um, Pretty much rejected from all. Yeah. Well, rejected, well, um, I think, yeah, you were just saying that. Rejected not just by all. He said, well, he wasn't rejected by all. He was rejected, though, by the... Leaders. The leaders. The leaders. The religious leaders. religious leaders. Well, he released them from the rules that they had established. Yeah. And and said, forget the rules, you're saved by grace. Right. And that was too easy, and they're going to lose total control. That's right. I mean, you look at the the Reformation. The Reformation happened 500 years ago. Martin Luther, why? Because he did that. Yes. Okay. Because he, he, as a religious man, said, I'm going to stop all you guys taking advantage, taking money from the poorest of the poor, putting all this guilt trip on them. All right. And he, as, I don't know, was he a priest? I think, okay. He, he was. He was a Catholic yeah, priest. Catholic priest said, I'm going against all those authorities, and and what is it, you know, you don't want to be cookie doing this, you know, just some weirdo. What, what's he doing? He's standing up for what God said. 
for God's word, for how God viewed these least of them. And, and he, we, we are here today because Martin Luther stood up. One man, mm-hmm. we're here today because one man stood up and said, I'm done with all this religious stuff, uh, and how you're taking advantage of the poor and making yourself better. And, you know, the priests are the only ones that can talk to God. I mean, all this stuff that just got so corrupted. And he came in and was willing to break that corruption. And again, here we are. <laughs> this church exists, the Protestant Reformation, because of that. You know, because one man decided to say, I'm going to go, I mean, met, both literally metaphorically, nail it to a door. You wonder what per- one person could do. Well, what Jesus did, yeah. He's, a, make a, he's a type and shadow. Like Moses was a type of Christ. Yeah. That is a total type of Christ. Yeah, exactly. Doing the same thing. He put his life on the line. <clears throat> you what? He put his life on the line. Yeah. As we're going through this, also think about what happens. <laughs> you. Most of us, when we're, um, it's very easy when we're evangelizing, when we're telling people about Christ, we fo- we want to focus on bringing them to that salvation, bringing them into that faith. <clears throat> we don't tell them, <laughs> you have to take up your own cross. Right. You're going to have to <laughs> suffer. You're going to be rejected by all your family. Some of them know that. Okay, I mean Muslims, you know, when they go to turn to Christ, I just heard about another one, they got oh, killed. Yeah. All right, another Christian that got killed because it was a Muslim that turned a Muslim who, and I think they caught him praying to Jesus, and they killed him right there on the spot. Wow. Okay, mm-hmm. I mean there's someone, yeah. <laughs> you know, standing up for this. There, and when you think of this, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. I mean, you're taking upon that, especially like you were saying, the religious authorities, the world's going to say no, and it's going to fight back. Especially if you try to upset the structures of the world. <laughs> yeah. Alright. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Um, I'll keep reading here. But he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Um, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Substitution. Substitution. Okay. Substitution. Well, good you say that. Okay. Because that's part of what you're seeing happen here. What, do you, what does substitution mean? Do you guys know when we're saying substitution? What that actually means? He's taking on the sin. He's taking it upon himself, so we don't have to. Don't have to. So think about that from a discipleship perspective. What are you taking on? So someone else doesn't have to. I mean, that's a basics. Basics. So. One of the arguments people have about saying, is this Christ or not, or people argue about the whole idea of atonement, is they say, well, Christ suffered with us. But what Isaiah 53 says is he suffered for for, for for us. us. Okay. 
And so we can, you know, we can come along and suffer with people, and we should, okay? But take that next step further. How do you suffer for someone else? Can you even think of an example of how would you, how can you do something where you're taking upon that something for someone else so they don't have to? Empathy. Empathy is, yeah, empathy. I'm just wondering, any thoughts as to how do we do this for others? Because we're going to see this throughout here, now that you bring it up now. We're going to see this. He's done this for, 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 okay? He's taken upon all this stuff for us. Yeah, like a scapegoat. Like a, exactly, like a scapegoat, all right? Are we called to do that for others? Yep. Yeah, potentially. Yeah? Well, spouses should do it. I mean, <laughs> right. Uh, every parent has known that to some level, you, do, you definitely do that for your your own kids to the point that you it has to get on their own mantle on them. Mm-hmm. It has to be carried by them. You can't save them. You can't be their friend completely. They have to carry the burden too. Yeah, at, at the appropriate. What's time. a husband supposed to do for his wife? Yeah. What's a husband supposed to do for his wife? Love. How how is a husband supposed to called to love his wife? Die. Die for her. Give his life for Correct. her. Just, you know, there's there's the heavy-duty calling, all right? That we are called to lay down our lives for our wives. Yeah, being her obedient servant. That's yeah. what I've learned to do. Exactly, being an obedient years. servant. Can you guys think of an example about how you do that? I mean, whether it doesn't have to be just for a wife if you're not married, but, I mean, how do you how do you lay down your life? How do you do some of the stuff about carrying someone else's stuff so they don't have to carry it. Think about that from marriage. I mean, think about it from marriage perspective. Listening. Okay. Okay. Listening. Very, very good. Listening. Give me an example of how that becomes you doing that for maybe mourning for someone that's lost. Family having empathy okay. for where they're coming from okay. rather than judging whether they should have it or not. <laughs> and I laugh, but isn't that hard sometimes? That's very yeah. hard, yeah. 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 I think giving, giving people your time. Hmm. You know, your time is one of the most precious things you have. Yeah, yeah. But we're always on the go. Mm-hmm. But if you take a moment and really sit and listen to someone, hmm. man, that... that that speaks volumes. Yeah. Especially when it's like, wow, I really had to go and do this and do something for myself today. I was yeah. going to go do this. And all of a sudden it's like, I'm going to, you know, here comes this person yeah. in my life. And stop. I'm just going to stop. And I'm going to just spend time. Listen, with drop your selfish ambition. <clears throat> exactly. Right. Exactly. And, and, and think of something and I'm going to do housework. I'm going to do the dishes. I'm going to do, well, do the laundry. I'm going to do yeah. the yard work, all this stuff. That your wife normally helps out or does completely herself, well, you start doing it yourself for yeah. her. Yeah. Being her obedient servant uh, to her needs. I mean, especially when you're doing, I mean, like, well, I mean, okay, Chris, <laughs> I'll call you for a second. <laughs> Not that you have the answer, but you've got, how old is your kid? Uh, two. two. Two years old, okay. 
Terrible twos. <laughs> They're amazing twos. I mean, when you think about, you know, for us who've had kids, all right, and you think about that age and you think about what your wife is just constantly going through and giving up everything with time. I mean, all these little teeny things just add up. Yeah, that's it's right. like, I'm the second best citizen in my own home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because? Because all the attention was on them, not yeah, me. Yeah. Okay, that well, that's sacrificial right there. It is. That's that's a good point. Yeah, you know? Or you're up all night when you have to go to work the next day mm -hmm. because your wife is so tired. And sure just, you've never had to do that, have you? It's your no. turn to get up tonight. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's practical. I mean, it sounds so petty. But that is practical sacrifice, living out. It's putting their needs before yours. Yeah. It's about forgetting yourself. It, it, exactly. Get yourself out of the way. Yeah. One of my favorite passages, you guys turn to it right now, just to remind, oh, help us remind ourselves that this is as simple as it sounds. It's, it's, makes all the difference. Peter? Hmm? You going to Peter? Peter? No, I'm not. Well, I can go to Peter. That's for the yep. wife thing. Yeah, I was going to go there, but I'm going to give us a break right now. Yeah. We can go there, though. No. Sure, why don't we go there? Let's Where just go going? there. Then I'll going? take us somewhere else. It's always a good idea to remember what Peter says about this. So, anybody know where that is? First Peter uh, 3. Yep, First Peter 3. Turn to First Peter 3. I got that one, too. You know, so you guys... You guys go home, and you know this week, and they're like, why do you have to go on Tuesday nights? I wish you were home. It's like, well, honey, I'm learning. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Why so, you but you probably, don't, you, probably, you probably don't want to quote this verse to them because they will hold you for the rest of your life to this yeah. passage. All right? First Peter. First Peter 3, 7. 7. I... I to me, this is this is literally. You guys hear me say it to you, some of you. It's only because I. This is the passage that drives me with my wife. I just I always am looking at this and going, "Am I doing this?" Because if I'm not, <laughs> so likewise, husbands, live with your wife in an understanding way. That's exactly what Eric just talked about. Okay. Where you really seek, I mean, this is a men from Mars, women from Venus thing. I mean, we will never get our wives fully, but we do every single thing we can to try to really have them go, yeah, he's really trying to get what's going on in my heart. Okay. Understanding what's happening. Okay. I mean, that's a, that's a heart to heart. Okay. What is really going on in my wife's heart? I mean, as we all know, who are married. Yeah. <laughs> This is daily, hourly, every day. You never, you never arrive at this. Um, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel is why you don't quote this to them. No. But the weaker here is not like no. less than. No. It's really they're precious. I always think of you. Yeah, my little yeah, the flower thing. It's like a flower. Steve's heard this too. Okay, it's like taking petal. Okay, of a rose, and it's like we've been given our wives are the petal. Think of like a drive, well, don't think a drive, but just a pedal in my hand. And when we don't show them honor and we don't understand them, okay, how easily our words can go like this and crush them. 
And you notice that when you when you crush something like that, like a take whatever it is, like a even a paper towel or tissue or a rose, it's you can crush like that. Boom, crush. Yeah. And you open your hand and go, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. How long does it take? <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Put that to open back up again. I, I mean, that's what this verse that. is saying. I think of that rose thing. All I have, I have to too. Yeah. I have yeah. to too. And we're just, I mean, this is us being called as men to Christ every day of our lives. everything's said and done, they depend on you to protect them. Yeah. And you can't violate their trust. Yeah. And there's a protection, which is a whole lot of different ways we, we show that. But by the same token, if two people in a relationship are exactly alike, one isn't necessary. Right. Which is why we all, we, we think so we bury people like us and we find out they're completely the opposite of us. So I think God tricks us. Yeah, I think he, there's something about the way that he created males and male and female to trick us to think like, oh yeah, you know, we have a lot of the same interests in everything. And you get married like, oh my gosh. Um, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, showing again, they are equal helpmates with us. But the most convicting thing of all, so that your prayers may not be hindered. This is the only place I know of, I could be wrong, in the New Testament that tells us that if we do not treat our wives well, God does not hear our prayers. Period. I mean, like, I'm praying for a new car, I'm praying for a new job, I'm praying that God with this, I'm praying this, that, and I'm treating my wife like crap. I mean... Yeah, we are with we are without now. You guys are all without excuse with me. Okay, we're all in this together, <laughs> so we have to we can call each other on that. All right. So the one I want to read, which will cover a lot of the rest here, we'll keep going through here, is Philippians. So Philippians two. Because a lot of times we can look at this and think like, oh my gosh, I can never really be like Jesus. I can never really do this. It. The Christian life, I want to say, is a lot simpler than we think it is. It's just really hard because we have to do it every day. So Philippians 2, and I want you to listen to the flow here because, in essence, all of Isaiah 53 is going to be wrapped up in what Paul says here. And we also will hear the gospel. So Philippians 2, and I'll just start at um, at verse 3. So it says, do, well, let's just start at the verse 1. Um, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, and being in full accord and of one mind. That's always a good challenge for a, a church, us as a church. And now he just gets very practical. Do nothing. Not some things, but do nothing. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. That goes right back to here. <laughs> okay? When we are trying to lift ourselves up and make ourselves look good, we're doing that from ambition and conceit. But in humility, like John Eagle said. But in humility, which is ultimately what this reflects. Um, where did I go? But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. 
The word significant there is of surpassing value. Count others of higher value than yourself. This goes against every class system the world's ever known. Any class system where it's like, I have more money, I have more education, I look better, I was born to this family, whatever it is, we're to treat others always as of a supreme value and significant value over ourselves. Look, each of you, look not only to your own interests, which yes, we can look to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. And what's fascinating is, notice how he goes on and says, have this mind among yourselves, which is what we just read, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And then he tells us, why do we do this? Because this is Christ. (laughs) Because this is what he did for us. That's what's interesting here. Paul gives us the application. Then he tells us, why do you live this way? You live this way because having this mind, who who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, there it is again, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has, what? Highly exalted. Ooh, there we go. Right there, God has highly exalted him. Being found he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, every in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This Philippians passage is like, it's, that is the discipleship program for every Christian. <laughs> I mean, if we can judge everything we're looking at and saying, am I treating others of surpassing value over myself? In my, all my interactions, business, personal, going to the gas station, driving down PCH when those fast, expensive cars are right in front of us, or whatever it is, you know? I mean, every situation you just see Paul saying this, we live that way because of what he's done for us. Right. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, I like in this in my Bible verse. It says um, for seven. I forget what yours said, but this makes it so much simpler here. It says like, so I'll read six again. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Which version is that? What do I have here? I have the NIV. Oh, okay. NIV is great. But it's like, but it made himself nothing. Huh. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. But it's like that, made himself nothing. It's like the, yeah. it's like, but then, it's crazy, because in our world, we think of, we exalt, or we, we want to be exalted by the world, right? We want to be we, something. Yeah, we want to be something. Yeah. We chase the accolades, we chase success, we climb that whole ladder. We, yeah. And then, but what's amazing is, God doesn't exalt you that way. And it's right. like, and the more humble you are, the more you're, as in nothing, you're more of something in God's eyes, which is which is truly the yeah. opposite, right? Yeah. How this this world makes it. There's a note in mine that says, "Emptied himself of his privileges," which is his rights, privileges. Wow, in our world today. Yeah. <laughs> 
We have no rights. And what? how hard is that for us? I mean, that, yeah. is, that is a hard thing for me right there to be made nothing, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, the fear of that, right? Then you're, then if you, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. You guys were talking about how to avoid being stupid uh-huh. earlier. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that reminds me of Proverbs 12, 1. Uh, he who hates correction is stupid. So, <laughs> I love it. Kind of talk, you, the, the, yeah. the need to be humble, like Bill and John and Eric, you know, talked about that the humility is that you need to be open to correction. You need Very to good. Let God right. teach you. Yeah. That is hard for us, man. I That's know that. One of the hardest things. <laughs> really hard. Can any of you think of today where you had the opportunity to do this? Count someone else's surpassing value of yourself, and you did. We're not doing this puff yourself up, but just, I mean, any example you give today? Yeah. You, um, yeah. Uh, I walked my daughter's dog downtown in the okay. mornings. Uh-huh. And um, there's a group at the old lifeguard tower. Sonny is a janitor at the high school, and there's a guy by the name of Scott. And Scott has a dachshund named Rube. And so, Scott, I've gotten to know really well. Um, he's a gay guy dying of AIDS, mm. living on free housing in Laguna. Mm-hmm. And he can barely walk. And he has earrings and stretching his ears. And he wears the same clothes every day. And he's got a beard. And he's scruffy. And... I decided I wanted to get to know Scott. He's the tall guy with the dachshund? Uh, he's fairly tall. Yeah, yeah he's very thin. Yeah. And yeah. he has those funny sneakers, and he wears the tiger pants. And, right. And huh. so um, one day there weren't too many people there, and I sat down next to Scott. I said, Scott, tell me about your life. And he just opened up and talked about his gay marriages and how he was jilted and how poorly and drugs and rock and roll and getting AIDS and practically dying and he just totally opened up and and I listened and asked him questions well what did you do then you know and uh, I learned to love him and he's probably I mean 10 years ago I wouldn't go anywhere near him Uh but um, you know no one was around and I hey Scott you know and I said you know what I really appreciate Rube, your dog. And he says, why is that? I says, mm-hmm. because he's teaching me how to chill out. And I really <laughs> appreciate that. Because <laughs> the dachshund just lays in the sun, you know, and yeah. doesn't do anything. And um, I look forward to seeing him. And um, last time I saw him was uh, about four or five days ago, and he was sitting alone. And I walked up, and he stood up, and he, he says, welcome aboard, Captain, because mm. he knows I was a new yeah, captain. Yeah. And we, we've connected. Wow. And he's a nice guy, and he's had a really, really rough life, yeah. you know, and I have a lot of empathy for him, and I call him a friend. Yeah, wow, awesome. He's, he's uh, I, yeah, can't tell. I, uh, I was sharing with you, my wife, Broke her ankle, fractured her ankle pretty good. Yeah, we should have prayed for her. For the and I um, was really concerned about her because I've done that too. And it was a long healing process and over myself. We had some 
bicycling things planned. We had a, a little trip we were going to take up north, camping, which all got put on hold, and she loves to go bye-bye. But I all of a sudden totally forgot myself, cooked breakfast this morning, I mean, bacon with poached eggs, and I made the bed. I mean, she always makes the bed. Stuff like that, and it wasn't a burden. It was yeah. like, and, you know, hey, you get to let's do lay it. you down, get some ice on that thing. Right. And... It was a, a good experience in that I, I wasn't thinking about myself. I was thinking about her. Mm. Got myself out of the way. And I'm more concerned about her health and her comfort. And, you know, her not getting so bummed out that, you know, it's like she really is an active gal. Thank God. She keeps yeah. me moving. I'll tell you that yeah. much. Yeah. Thank you, Bill. Yeah. Good, good, good job. Yeah. yeah, but you do that every day, John. <laughs> For a while. <laughs> How about anybody else? Other, any examples? Just today, even. Just, yeah, Tom. Um, just maybe five years ago. Um, my niece has taken an interest in the Lord in some way or whatever, you know, and has always kind of looked at me as kind of her uncle, but became a Christian kind of in the middle of her life. And, um, and so... One day she said, hey, Uncle, I want to come by to um, for you to look at these Bibles and what I'm reading to make sure, you know, I'm on the right track. Huh. I'm like, okay, yeah, come, come by, you know. Um, and it dawned on me that I don't even think that she was saved. She grew up somewhat Catholic in a, in a sense, just inherited from her father, but um, doesn't have a father in her life. Or, or anything like that. Um, just my, my mom raised her for pretty much ever since she was probably five on up. Um, and so uh, at that time and stage of my walk, I wasn't in the mood. Mm. I, I just didn't want to be responsible for it, for that. And so um, I remember thinking, wow, I don't think she's even saved. I think she just taken... She really has taken this interest in God and curious about God, and what, and she loves to read, and so she was just taking on this new approach to God and just trying to, you know, seeing the world through her lens at 22, 23 at that time, working for Starbucks and just seeing all types of people, and um, really just felt like, and throughout some of our conversations throughout the years that. You know, God was something that she wanted to kind of focus on. But I remember saying, I don't want to. I just said, hmm. I, kind of where I'm in, where I'm at right now with God, I, I just didn't want to. But I remember clear as a bell, he, he said, um, forever, eternity in hell. And I'm like, okay. Hmm. Okay. Okay. And that's all I heard, and I just said, "Yep, you're absolutely right. I need to get out my own wherever I am at right now and help my niece mm -hmm. get to heaven." And it took me on a small journey because I knew it wasn't me because I had a bit of an attitude about it. And um, I just remember writing three letters on a. PowerPoint, because she was in college, and I thought maybe kind of visualizing it. Right. It was, 
three W's or four W's. And I didn't know what they were going to be. I just put them as placeholders. And then it kind of dawned on me, like, what, when, why, how, you know, and I just kind of walked her through why the and base. what huh. and oh, how okay. and what now and huh. then what it becomes. Mm. And so we, I just took on that exercise having no desire to until I heard God say, eternity and hell. And I just kind of stopped in my tracks and I said, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Just stop being selfish. Stop being wherever mode you're in and help your knees get to heaven. And we hung out for three hours, four hours, and uh, had dinner, and she eventually accepted the Lord. Wow. It's the first and only time I've ever, anything, um, it was my niece. Praise God. And so, uh, but not because, I was saying, Lord, I'm not feeling strong, like, you know, I'm not feeling that whiz bang, and let's Or your own faith doesn't feel strong enough. Yeah, strong, and let's do this, (laughs) and now mom topping right now, it was more, just being humble and just being obedient. Yeah. To something I do yeah. want to do. That's good. 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 Thanks, Tom. Yeah. All right. Uh, has anybody else not gone? Anybody want to? Yeah, I know you. And then we'll close off. example yeah. of earnestly pursuing obedience to one another. No one is to pursue what they judge better for themselves, but what they judge better for someone else instead. And that works in a marriage, and it works in what you do with her, that the, the key word that I've learned after memorizing that is earnestly. That means not only try, but try hard. <laughs> it doesn't give it lip service. Yeah. It says, this is not going to be easy, right. and it's going to be hard, but it only has value if it is hard, because it requires giving of yourself and putting the other person first. Yeah. And that's very difficult to do. And God does it. I just felt like I was the vessel. Yeah. Yeah. But we have to be willing yes. willing. And I love how he just talks to you and God's right. like, just do this, you know. All right. Well, I'm going to close off. Um, so much of this, and you guys can read it this weekend of Isaiah 53. So much of this is this whole idea. Oh, I'm trying to sit Surely he has borne our griefs and carried. What mark are you using? Yeah. Most Did you use the wrong one? Yes. Well, luckily, we could. You guys caught me. You. They caught, you've been using the wrong one all night. No, that was okay over there, but oh, not okay. here. Okay. Well, all right. You can go over it. You guys will come over here, and every time you look at this board, you're going to see that red. Everything else in your body would be the blood of Christ. There you go. There you go. All right. Blood of Christ. Yeah, go back. Let me go back to this. Um, Okay. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. You just see this constant through Isaiah 53, what we talked about tonight, about what he has done for us. And that's really, all you guys gave some really, really good examples. I mean, that's really the the basis of our Christian life. As he has done this for us, we live for others. And if you want to be able to have a place to preach the gospel, live 
for someone else. I mean, it's the best witness. Mm. You talked about that. Best witness for what Tom talked about with his niece. I mean, is when we're really doing that for another, they go, that's different than what the world does. Because everything in the world is so much about me, 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 right? So, you know how earlier you were, I just want to read this. Yeah. Yeah. This book I've been reading about how we, um, Evangelize, right? Or like yeah. help people, like just a good topic or whatever to bring someone to Christ. Right. Love this. I was trying to find that. I just found it in this book I've been reading. Which, by the way, have you guys all read this? The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry? No, no, no. no. Oh my God. By John, John Mark Comer. He's a, he's a pastor up in Portland. So what's it called? Uh, the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Ooh, I love it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's an amazing. Someone could use that. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, it huh. slaps you around, right? In the face. Yeah. But this is, so he, he reads up uh, right down Matthew 11, and where it's, uh, or whatever verse it is, but it says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And I, For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is the easy yoke, right? Right, right. And uh, he goes, all right, let's read it one more time, and slower, breathe deeply, and then you know, he reads it one more time. But he says, now read Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of those same verses in the message again. Mm. And it says, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with <laughs> me. Watch how I do it. Mm. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace, which is like my favorite Oh, part. wow, what? Look, read that again. What Learn the unforced un- rhythms of grace. Wow. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. When you just read that, it's yeah. like, wow. sign me up, right? Yeah. Wow. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And here he Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Because how good is that line? Unforced rhythms of grace. Yeah, it's, wow. it, this is an invitation for all the tired, the burnt out, the stressed, all those stuck in traffic and behind on their to-do list, reaching for another cup of coffee just to make it through the day. Anyone like that? Anyone like that out there? <laughs> just to make it through the morning. Just to make it through. And then, like, and then he said, the last thing, this is the da- this is Dallas Willard's um, yeah. paraphrase of the secret of the easy yoke, this is what he calls it. Um, he wrote this about Matthew 11. In this truth lies the secret of the easy yoke. The secret involves living as Jesus lived in the entirety of his life, adopting his overall lifestyle. Our mistake is to think that following Jesus consists in loving our enemies, going the second mile, turning the other cheek, suffering patiently and hopefully, while living the rest of our lives just as everyone else around us does. It's a strategy bound to fail. It, but it's just... Uh, yeah, it's, pretty, it's a pretty good. Uh, so that's a that's a good way to end in prayer. And what you just said there, I love it. Read that last part again. The, the very last Willard part. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to stop you at one point. Just going to read it. So in this truth lies the secret of the easy yoke. The secret involves living as Jesus lived in the entirety of his life. Okay, stop right there. That is our goal for John. Yeah. As we go through the yeah. Gospel of John. Because if we're going to live as he lived, we have to see how his entirety of his life, we're going to see that. That right there, I love that. I mean, I just go, that captures my prayer for us as we go from this to John. Is that we will be able to do that. You need to 
print that for me. Okay. I just feel like that's okay. like that captures the yeah, I'll email it to you. Yeah. Good mission statement. Yeah, yeah. But it becomes this this theme in this chapter where it's like if you want to experience life with Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Yeah, I, yeah. and yeah. to adopt the lifestyle adopt of Jesus, you have to know how Jesus you lived. Have to know, and that's what he says. <laughs> <in the next laughs> yeah. You have to know how yeah. He lived. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys. Good discussion tonight. Just so Grace is trying to be up to your right at payback. <laughs> all right well father we just thank you for this evening just thank you that we today can learn as we just heard dallas willard said um learn from our savior from you jesus do what you've done in isaiah 53 and i just pray lord that every one of us as men help us to become more and more like you more and more willing at the drop of a hat looking for opportunities to be what you have been for us to lay down our lives for others in small ways and in big ways and Lord I want to end by just as we talked about the healing of Everett and we talk about the healing of Taffy we pray for the healing of Patty Lord, with her ankle that she's fractured. I pray, Lord, that you will miraculously heal her much quicker than the doctors will expect. She'll be back on both feet, and she will be just jumping up and down going, Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Um, Just uh, be with her, be with Bill as he cares for her. And just on Chris, read that again about the unfathomed what? I can't remember that. What's the word again? Unfathomed. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Mm-hmm. Learn the un. May we be men who learn the unforced, unforced. unforced rhythms, rhythms of grace. Of grace. Only by your Spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Thanks, you guys. Thanks.